0: Good morning, evening, late night, or afternoon. I mean, whatever time of the day it is that you are have decided to sit down, relax, have that cup of coffee, have that bottle of beer, you know, or you're working, I guess, and you're just taking a break from the hassles of work, decide listening to me talk about the history of something to do with baseball and basketball. The two most opposite sports, but the best, as each of them need to be played like a giant chessboard, with a lot of moving part. Well, a lot of moving parts going on. So today I'm going to tell you why three first basemen should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm going to give you the history of arguably the greatest basketball franchise of all time. I mean, it all depends on your perspective. If you're a fan of the purple and gold, you're obviously not going to like my choice. Uh, But before we get into the topics of the day, uh, let's go ahead and let's do a little Did You Know. I started this, you know, I started doing Did You Knows on my opening on my early podcast. And then for some reason, unbeknownst to me, I decided that I just stopped doing them, I guess. So I'm going to slowly bring it back because I really like doing Did You Knows. Um and is going to really co- coincide with the day of the week um coming up for instance this week's did you know uh we're taking you we are taking you in the Wayback machine to June 14th, 1998. Picture yourself at the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's game 6 of the NBA Finals and who is out there on the court but none other than Michael Jordan okay this is his last game at the time we knew we thought it was gonna be his last game ever and what does he do he drops 45 points out of the 87 the Bulls scored that night he hits a game-winner some people call it a push off huh you know each their own always so I always feel like Byron Russell's already backpedaling and you know Jordan doesn't extend the arm but does give a little, you know, a little assistance to him to backpedal a little farther, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and Jordan caps off that 40-point night with that game winner with 5.2 seconds left. And again, at the time, we thought it was the end of Jordan's career. It was the end of a second peak. So, as you come up on Tuesday, June 14th, Think about Sir Ernest hitting his game winner against the Utah Jazz and denying the Carl Malone and John Stockton era of ever getting a world or getting an NBA championship ring. As you know, John Stockton then stays with the Jazz for, I think, one more year, then retires. And then Carl Malone went and chased a ring down with the Lakers with him and Gary Payton joining up with Shaq and Kobe and that really didn't pan out for either Peyton or Malone in that instance. I mean, it's kind of like the Lakers of today. Everybody's just trying to join it up to try to get that ring, and it's not happening. All right, so today's topic is baseball side of the dingers. It is going to be Fred McGrath, the crime dog. We're going to talk about Donnie... The baseball Don Mattingly, okay, Donnie baseball, Don Madeline. also known as the Hitman. We're also going to talk about Keith Hernandez. By f- okay, a little backstory about Keith Hernandez. I only really know him as of you know, all because of Seinfeld and the Kramer episode where Kramer says that Keith Hernandez spit on him, like, and then they did the whole reenactment of the spitting like a JFK getting shot down in Dallas. If you have never seen Seinfeld, you need to check out that episode for sure. It's probably one of the funniest episodes, besides the parking garage one of Seinfeld. So, Fred McGriff, the crime dog. One of the most popular first basemen during the 90s. And I really think it's just because of the nickname Chris Berman gave him. Uh, But he was a a complete player. He hit for average. He hit dingers. And, you know... On this show, we hit dingers. We just didn't hit four hundred ninety-three of them, which ties him with Lou Gehrig um, for home on the home run list. Okay, so the crime dog plays. He first of all was drafted by the Yankees. Okay, then he gets traded because obviously at first base here, I got Danny Baseball. There, it's the guy we're gonna talk about next or coming up as well. So he goes to Toronto. Where he starts hitting bombs like no other. Okay, now McGriff is probably arguably the best first baseman in the '90s as well. Um, on the American League side, he couldn't win. He got blocked by Gold Gloves because of Don Mattingly. Again, we're gonna talk. See, all three of these guys they actually intertwine with one another as well. So you have Donnie Baseball blocking Fred McGriff with the Yankees. Okay, then you got Donnie Baseball blocking Fred McGriff from getting a Gold Glove in the American League. So then Toronto trades McGriff as part of a package deal to San Diego for Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar. Those two obviously come back to Toronto, help Toronto win the world series in 92 and 93. Okay. So you have, so you have Toronto. um, So yeah, Fred McGriff, not going to play in San Diego. He's with San Diego for a couple years, then gets traded to Atlanta. And again, during this time, He's not able to win gold gloves because for the NL because now Keith Hernandez is winning the gold gloves over in the NL. And then you got Jeff Bagwell as well winning a couple. You know, and Mark Grace won a couple gold gloves in the 90s. So McGriff, I don't think really was... he. he go watch, go find YouTube clips. of I'm sure there's some out there. But you need to go find some YouTube clips of Fred McGriff because like I said, if it wasn't much for Um, Hernandez or Bagwell on the defense side, plus for some reason the media just really loved Jeff Bagwell, and I have no idea why I still to this day don't understand it as a kid growing up and again, Keith Hernandez was pretty much out of the league by the time I started really comprehending baseball, so again, it wasn't until I started researching this until I found out how good Keith Hernandez actually was So here you have Fred McGriff. Okay. And again, I dislike, I, I wouldn't say I hate Bagwell. I just really dislike Jeff Bagwell and him and the little bees with the Astros, him and BGO and Ken Caminiti. Like they just really irritate me. And then they had the stupid jerseys as well. Like the nineties jerseys for the Astros were ugly. I mean, the, and probably because they played in the NL Central as a Cubs fan I just really hate the Astros and still do the two to this day now also you look at Bagwell as well and all of a sudden he went from a skinny player to a big guy okay him and King Caminiti were like best friends King Caminiti admitted to taking steroids now I'm not saying Jeff Bagwell took roids I'm just saying if your best friend's doing it and he got all jacked up and now you got all jacked up and it was the late 90s and then all of a sudden that's when you decide to hit 40 50 home runs I'm not saying you were juiced and I'm not saying the ball was juiced, but someone was juicing okay and again it's all speculation I have no knowledge of it I'm not like like that dude, but it just, you know, just doesn't add up to me is all, if it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Just saying. So, and if you go back to my, one of my earliest episodes for all of you that are just now listening to this as of today, um, it's called steroids or drugs and sports episode, uh, four, five previously back in February. Go ahead and take a look for that, because that was a good one. Now, for anybody that has already listened to it, and anybody that's going to listen to it, I say the same thing in there, as I'm going to say here, and that is, just because you take steroids, it doesn't help you hit a curveball, or have the hand-eye coordination to hit a fastball. It does help you recover, so that way you're not as tired for the next game, and in a 162-game season, In the hot summer sun most nights, or most days, or the hot summer nights as well could happen. July, August, the dog days of summer. You know, that's when you got, that's when you start having, I don't know, a little tiredness. Get that extra perking up, you know. Roger Clemens called it B12 shots, just saying. He's got a giant head too. (laughs) So, still does. Just saw him on the broadcast last weekend. Uh, between the Tigers and the Yankees. Yeah, still a huge head. Just saying. And he's like sixty 67 years old. Anyways, so again, it only gets you big muscles. Um, and it may, it may. I'd, and no, I don't think there's been any studies on it. But it may, may let you hit the ball, you know, 10 to 50 feet farther. At a, instead of warning track pop, it's only going there. And, like I said, Bagwell, 90s, early aughts, early 2000s, it was reported 75 to 80% of the league was juicing. So, just saying he was probably juicing as well. Fred McGriff, no. Dude was a beanpole in 87, was a be, pretty much a beanpole in 20, 2003. So, but again, go check that out. Um, again, Bagwell, we're going to get into this, why he should not... Why I don't think he is, I, I understand him being in the hall of fame, but McGriff should be there as well. And we're going to get into that right now. So Fred McGriff, um, was on, was on at the max number of years. Uh, he retired in 2004, got put on the ballot in 2009, came off the ballot in 2019. So now it's up to the veterans committee of the modern era to put him in the hall of fame. So if any of you vote, any of you veterans Committee members out there, the 13 of you are listening to this podcast, here's the reason why Fred McGriff should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So, and first off his last year of eligibility, he got 39.8% of the vote, which you need 75 to get in the Hall of Fame. And here's the guy that got in the first year this year. A guy that played first base and DH and he got moved to DH because he couldn't play defense on first base. So they moved him to DH because God knows I ain't starting starting Jason Veritek at first base for anybody except for this guy, David Ortiz elected this year, first year on the ballot. Okay. And again, a guy that may or may not have used steroids after testing was established, just saying it was reported. In some reports, the Mitchell report being one of them, that David Ortiz might have been that guy. Okay? A guy, and again, he couldn't play defense. He was liability at first base. So he was moved to DH. Now, Ortiz's career, he had 2,472 hits. Okay? Yeah, he hit 541 home runs. You're a DH. You're supposed to do that, right? Okay? He had a batting average of 286. He had an on base percentage of three eighty. Slugging was five fifty two. And he had a war of a fifty-two point seven. Fred McGriff had twenty had two thousand four hundred and ninety hits. Seventeen more hits than Ortiz. Four hundred and ninety three home runs. Okay. So I was raised to believe that if you hit five hundred home runs, you're in the Hall of Fame. That's what I was raised to believe. Okay, that's that's what I was instilled in me as a kid. You hit five hundred home runs, you are in the Hall of Fame. To me, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. Okay, to me, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. Why do you have to hit five hundred home runs to be in the Hall of Fame? Not everybody hits five hundred home runs to be in the Hall of Fame. You are just guaranteed to be in the home, Hall of Fame if you hit five hundred home runs, right? Right. I guess that's how it that works. And for a first baseman, why does the first base have to be the Power position, in quotation marks. Like, can't we just judge a player on his entire, you know, game to begin with? Passes the eye test? All right. So back to McGriff's stats. McGriff, 2,490 hits. As I said, 493 home runs. A two eighty-four batting average. A three on base percentage. A five twenty-nine slugging percentage. And a war of a 52.6. He was a three-time Silver Slugger Award and a five-time All-Star. Uh, yep, Hall of Famer in my book. If you're putting David Ortiz in there, put Fred McGriff in there. Willie Stargell, another first baseman that's in the Hall of Fame. He has a war of a 57.5, okay? So he's got a slightly better war. However, war takes into effect um, awards that you have won as well. McGriff never won an MVP award. Willie Stargell did, so that would be the difference here. Willie Stargell had 2,232 hits. He had 475 home runs, and he batted 282. Okay? Now, I mean, I got Lou Gehrig on this as an example as well, but this just proves how badass Lou Gehrig was. Lou Gehrig had 2,721 hits. 473 of those bad boys, or 493, sorry, 493 home runs, 340 batting average, and a 113.6 war. Yeah. All right, now we have Jeff Bagwell. He had 2,314 hits. He had a 449 home runs. And he had a batting average of 297. And he won one MVP. Like I said, he won a couple of gold gloves as well. So, okay. Now, Bill James has a Hall of Fame... Merit tests, okay. One hundred is like the borderline spot. One thirty should be a cinch. So he uses a point scale based off of career stats, um, season, um, season sati- stats. Um, he the awards they that players won, postseason stats, um, post- postseason. Uh, performances by the team, you know, by the team and then positional bonus as well. So obviously he's given points to got to like first baseman and catchers and power hitting people, obviously, but again, so Fred McGriff is sitting at exactly 100. So yeah, he's borderline. However, Others that exactly 100 are Roger Connor. He's a Hall of Famer. You don't know him because he played from 1880 to eighteen ninety eighty or 1897. Played first and third. Okay, another guy that's straight at 100. Pee Wee Reese, Hall of Famer, who played from 1940 to 1958. Another Hall of Fame first baseman, Gil Hodges. 43.9 WAR. A 359 on base percentage. He had 1,921 hits. He only had 370 home runs. Like, oh, a 359 on base percentage, not a 359 average. Um, He batted 273. He had a 487 slugging. So, yeah. Oh, another Hall of Famer, Tony Perez, 54 war, 2,732 hits. 379 home runs, 279 batting average, 341 on base percentage, 463 slugging. McGriff showed he could play in both leagues. Okay? He hit home runs in both leagues. He had to play in the Skydome, Jack Murphy, Fulton County, Wrigley, and don't tell me Wrigley is a home run hitting park because when that wind is blowing off Lake Michigan. In to the batter, you are not getting the ball out. Just saying, it's only playing good if you're playing with the wind out and no one and you got a straight dead center of 400 feet. Come on, the gaps aren't really are big as you know. You have gaps and then you have the wells down the lines. Like Wrigley is not a hitter friendly park unless the wind is blowing out. And he played at the Trop and Dodger Stadium. Okay, he also has the most dingers of any. One, not in the Hall of Fame, outside of the alleged steroid users, which are Bonds, Sosa, Maguire, Arod, Palmero, Manny Ramirez, and Gary Sheffield. Okay. Most of them should be in the Hall of Fame as well, but I think there should be a separate wing for that as well. Okay. Now, like I said, I understand McGriff wasn't flashy, but you could plug him and play him exactly at first base and he could produce in the lineup what he didn't do was hit 500 home runs oh and mind you McGriff has 1550 career RBIs as well but what he didn't do was he didn't hit 500 home runs or have 3,000 hits I think first base like I said being considering a power a power position is ridiculous how about the look of the player on the whole you know, and compare them to the players other players that play the position of the of that time. Like to me, Hall of Fame should be the best players of that era. Which you know, we have way too many we have way too many people in this Hall of Fame from the so called golden era, okay? Of baseball like we just have way too many of that 1920 to 1960 let's keep it real for a second that can't be the golden era of baseball from the 20 to 60s heck there was only 12 years of interleague pl- of inter of integrated play like most of that most of that was segregated playing how are we going to call that the golden era of baseball like <laughs> it's ridiculous Oh my gosh. So, this brings me to another first baseman. Okay. And as always, another first baseman by the name of Keith Hernandez. Okay. And as always, all my stats for. Baseball comes from BaseballReference.com. It's a wonderful website, and I really should look into getting some type of sponsorship or association with them for as many shout-outs as I give them on my podcast, on Twitter, everywhere I use their stats. I make sure to reference back who I'm getting it from because without... That website, I couldn't bring half half the stats I bring you guys. Same with BasketballReference.com. It's all tied in together. Football as well. Like, it's all tied in together. And it's just all, that the group of folks that take care of that, take care of those websites, is just amazing. Now, we have Mr. Keith Hernandez, a guy that won an MVP – He was a five-time All-Star. He won two World Series. Oh, and don't forget, Fred McGriff won a World Series in 1995. By the way, just an FYI. Hernandez, eleven-time Gold Glove winner for two different teams, and the most for a first baseman all time. He was a two-time Silver Slugger, and he has a batting title. He has a 60.3 WAR. He compiled 2182 hits. He only hit 162 dingers, but he had a 2.96 batting average. He drove in 1070 run, drove in 1071. He had 98 stolen bases. For every walk he took, he might have struck out, but it was a basically a 1 to 1 ratio. He had a 3.84 on base percentage, a 4.36 slugging percentage as well. He was the best defensive player, or best defense, he is the best defensive first baseman that isn't in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) And for what reason? He didn't hit enough dingers? Because apparently you don't get credit for playing good defense. Or, because he admitted doing drugs in the 80s when most of that 86 Mets team was doing coke like it was candy, for granted out loud. Yeah, it was nose candy. That's what it was. <laughs> for all those guys. Or is it not? Or is he not in because, oh no, he voices his opinion and didn't like the media. Like, he thought the media was a joke. And they always tried to give him a bad rap. He's in the Mets Hall of Fame and the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And his number's have been retired by both organizations that he's played for. We have a Baseball Hall of Fame, like I said, that is oversaturated with players from the golden era and players before 1920. We really need to look into getting more up-to-date players in the hall of fame. We need to weed out some of the players that were voted in because I don't know, they were buddies with somebody and everybody wanted to make a a legacy of at all. Shoeless Joe Jackson should be in the hall of fame at somehow, some way. It has not been proven that he even was part of the betting ring of the 1919 Black Sox. And if you don't know who the 1919 Black Sox are, I will be doing an episode at some point on them. And gambling and, and, gambling and baseball, because you've got to throw Pete Rose in there too, all-time hits leader, not in the Hall of Fame. So here we have all-time hits leader, all-time home run leader, and a seven-time Cy Young Award winner, not in the Hall of Fame, because of what reason? Like, Rose didn't gamble on sports as a as a player. It was as a coach and a manager. And it wasn't against the Reds. He bet for the Reds. And then, and if you go by his story, he should have been admitted a year later anyways. But the commissioner passed away. And then Bud Selig was like, nope, we ain't doing that. And then you have the guys that did the steroids and... It's like, yeah, you did them, but the but like I said, seventy five to eighty percent of the guys were doing it back then. So why not just make a separate wing for that? Huh. So this also brings me to the final th- first baseman we have on today's agenda: the Hitman Donnie Baseball. Donnie Madeline is the only Yankee great that has his number retired by the Yankees. Without a ring. Because he played from 82 to 95. When the Yankees were managed by Billy Martin. Yogi Berra. Oh and then Yogi and Billy split the next season. Lou Piniella for two years. And then Lou Piniella and Billy Martin again. And then it was Dallas Green. You know since he couldn't make it as an executive. With the Cubs or the Phillies. And Bucky Dent. And then Bucky Dent and Stubb Mer- or Stump Merrill. And then... <laughs> oh my gosh. And then in 1982, he finally got Buck schultz who took over until 1995. Okay. So then Donnie retired, and in 1996, the Yankees won a World Series with Joe Torre as the manager... In his first season. I mean Donnie didn't make the playoffs. So that was a plus. One time. But that was in 1995. And that was against the uh, Seattle Mariners. That had Ken Griffey Jr. And Vince Coleman. And Jay Buhner. And Edgar Martinez. And Tino Martinez. And Randy Johnson. And Norm Charlton. And yeah. Team was stacked. And that was the epic ALDS series as well, where it went in five games. And then you have Donnie's career stats, where he won an MVP, he's a six-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glove, most by any AL first baseman, he's a three-time Silver Slugger, and he has a batting title. Yeah, he has a 42.4 war, but, you know, war is... War can be adjusted by how many like I said, how many awards you win and how well you do in like playoffs and stuff. Like to me, yeah, war is a good idea, but it doesn't really tell the whole story. Then he had two thousand he had two thousand one hundred and fifty three hits. He had two hundred and twenty two home runs. (coughs) He had a lifetime batting average of three oh seven, a lifetime on base percentage of three fifty eight, and he's slugging four seventy one. So again, let's take into account How all-around play should be a better indicator of the player and not just the home runs. Okay? Just because these guys didn't play in non-power hitting positions like shortstop or second base, that's going to take away their for what they did in defense and what they did um, on offense. Like, give me a break, people. So these three definitely need to be considered for consideration for the Veterans Committee. Um, unfortunately, even though Donnie Baseball played half his career in the 80s and half his career in the 90s. Well, I guess not really. He did play 82 to... He did play a few more years in the 80s. But he's part of the... He's not part of the same committee. The same... He doesn't... He doesn't get voted by the... Him and Hernandez don't get voted... And by the same committee that Fred McGriff does because of different eras. Also, one last fun fact. Donnie Baseball was amber dexterous. So he could slap the ball either side of the plate if he wanted to. And he actually did play first base left-handed and right-handed. Just saying. Now, that in itself should make yourself a Hall of Famer. Even in Little League, he pitched both ways. So that's cool. And thanks, Wiki, Wikipedia, for that little tidbit as well. I really appreciate it. <coughs> Sorry. All right. Now, it's time to talk about one of the greatest sports franchises of all time. Not the Yankees. All you Yankees fans, not the Edmonton Oilers oh, for any hockey fans in here and not the LA Lakers. And I got a little quick sign out on this stuff too because how are you gonna call yourself the LA Lakers and be in LA without any lakes in LA? And furthermore, how about the Clippers? The two LA teams should have to change their names to fit their location now. Because there's no lakes for the Lakers and there's no boats, uh, no Clippers in the LA Harbor like they were in San Diego. Okay, cuz when the Clippers moved from Buffalo, they were the Buffalo Braves. Then they moved to San Diego, okay? And they get called the San Diego Clippers. And then you and then you're going to move to LA and still call yourself the Clippers. But then you're going to lose the actual like Clipper logo. Like bring the Clipper, bring the Clipper logo back that you had when you were in San Diego with the light blue jerseys cuz that was that was pretty awesome. All right. I'm off my tangent now because, you know, squirrel. <clears throat> so, the franchise I'm talking about today right now is the Boston Celtics. They're in the play they're in the NBA Finals right now against the Golden State Warriors. Um as of, you know, as of recording this, it's tied 2-2 By the time you guys listen to this It could be 3-2 Gordon State or 3-2 Boston Because game 5 is coming up folks Or it could be game 6 You know one or the other Or it could be even game 7 by the time you get this Because it could be a week late Who knows So the Celtics have to be considered Have to be Have to be Jeez, can't even talk right now So excited about the Celtics right now Alright they have a, had a long standing of superior play, coaching, orga- organizational continuity even when they have changed owners. I know all you Celtics fans out there with the history that I know 79-80 was not that much continuity because <laughs> um the owner at the time and Red Auerbach were buttonheads, but the Boston faithful had red hours a uh, red hour backs back and the owner ended up selling the team you still got Larry Bird you still end up with Robert Parish and Kevin McHale because you stole stole them from Golden State but you know it's t- another time okay so <clears throat> they have changed owners and moved buildings you know but I have also heard the new you know TD Garden isn't as Intimidated as the old Boston Garden, but it still gets loud. Just listen to the finals right now. You know, <clears throat> and the only thing is, there's a lot less fanatics that get close to the f- floor anymore rather than before. You don't know, have the drunks; they're pretty much up in the upper sections, so it's a lot less Boston-y I guess. <laughs> um, but you got to look at the Cel- but you got to look at from this standpoint: the Celtics dominated basketball in the '50s, '60s, '70s, '80s. They didn't really do much in the nineties. Um during that time in the nineties they had instability at the head coaching position, instability in the front office. They couldn't they had problems drafting players, you know. And then they finally just hit a draft pick with Paul Pierce and built around him and then finally paired him up with K G and Ray Allen to get a modern day big three of what Mikhail, Bird and Parrish were, except that was a front court and these guys are like a center, a shooting guard and a small forward, so just changed it up a little bit Oh, and then with that big three they won one championship in 08 made the finals in 2010 they were actually on the way to win game 6 until Kendrick Perkins blew out his ACL in in that game uh, in the third quarter which changed the series around because then Paul Gasol and Kobe Bryant were able to dominate, and then they end up going on to win Game Seven as it was in LA, and that. So, <clears throat> during the '90s, like I said, they had uh had that bad period, but uh, they had Patino the head coach, Mel Cardin, Ml Cardin, and Mel Car. Jeez, Ml Cardin. Nobody was really doing. Um, the one thing Patino, I really think he's infamous for he goes and I'm paraphrasing this because he was upset that everybody was still living in the past and he's like Larry Bird isn't walking through that door in his thick Boston accent and Massachusetts accent Kevin McHale isn't coming through that door Robert Parrish isn't coming through that door and if they are they're gonna be old and gray because he was just all pissed off that the media was like hey why aren't you winning why aren't you doing better and Rick Pitino was just over his head in the NBA. He was over his head when he coached the Knicks. He was over his head with the Celtics because he doesn't understand the dynamic of the NBA, how it's player driven and not coach driven. So then Jim O'Brien took over, righted the ship a little bit, you know. So <laughs> then that got us. Like I said, that was the that was basically the Paul Pierce era. Um, and then before Paul Pierce, you had Dino Raja. You had Rick Fox was on the team. D Brown was winning a slam dunk contest. Uh, But also in the early 90s, you had the Celtics felt tragedy on the court again. um, Beloved player Reggie Lewis passed away. Um, He had a heart conditioner, and he got cleared to play, and then he ended up having a heart attack while he was in the gym getting ready to – to get prepared to go play in the playoffs. Um, he had a heart attack on the court and passed away. So that was sev- just seven years after the Celtics had drafted Lynn Bias. And, the you know, we lost another great potential player because when the Celtics drafted Lynn Bias, he went out and over- had an OD, went out and overdosed. So... Again Players Players lives cut short People's lives cut short Not a good thing And it's just harder When I mean You don't know them personally But you watch them play And that's the only instance You get You get that little glimpse But at the same time You still feel sorrow For when they pass So um, You've had legendary NBA players For the Celtics They include Bird Mikhail, Parrish obviously You had Russell Nkuzi Casey Jones, Paul Silas And countless other, others You have one of the best calls It happens to be from the Celtics When Havlicek steals the ball um, And then you had everybody that wanted to come Play with the Celtics at one point in their career as well Pete Maravich played on the Celtics for a bit Granted it was towards the end of his career uh, Another guy that passed away young I'll do an episode about Pete Maravich at some point as well. Uh, because he was a really great shooter. He was. If you talk about shooting, you can talk a little about Larry Bird, and if you really... Pete Maravich should be in that great shooter category as well. I mean, he averaged 44 at LSU, for crying out loud. Uh, Bill Walton played with the Celtics and won a six-man award. Uh, and Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal wore the green and white at some point as well. So... I loved growing up in a Celtics family, so again we're bringing up the Celtics as grandpa, uncle, Celtics fans, and I could get them going with one word: Jordan's the best, or I guess three words: Jordan's the best, and then they'd go on a tangent about Larry Legend, and one of the rants that they would ever that I liked when they go to, went off about Larry J- Legend, was a he's a he's the kid from French Lick, Indiana. And that decided to go play basketball after he left the big school of Indiana and Bobby Knight to go play at Indiana State, and he took them to the title game against the big bad Michigan State and a kid by the name of Magic Johnson. Okay, so and that game basically reborn basketball for the NBA it brought it alive. You had Larry versus Magic, Magic versus Larry. L.A. versus Boston. It was all the rave in the 80s. Larry won three titles. Two of them were against the Rockets. One of them was against Magic. Magic won five titles. Two of them against Bird and the Celtics. And he lost once as well. Um, Larry Legend. Another, you know, so that's the story of Larry Legend and Magic. But the story that I got to tell is the one right here. Larry Legend walks in to... The three-point contest at the all-star game looks around the locker room and he looks and says who's coming in second that's how comforting he went he went out won back-to-back three-point championships three-point shooting contest championships and then before Larry Legend's arrival the Celtics already had Havlicek Silas Dave Cowens as their big three um, you had and Cowan's player coached for a couple years as well. So, yeah, Charlie Scott as well, JoJo White, Paul Westfall, Donnie Nelson, you know, that Donnie Nelson of coaching fame. That group won two titles. So you got the 70s, they won two titles. The 80s, they won three. The 90s, they didn't get anything. 2000, 2008, they finally win one. You know, they're back at it this year trying to get another, get their 18th. Uh, in the late '50s and '60s, the team was led by Cousy and Russell, with Red Auerbach as the coach. And Auerbach would always light a cigar when victory was had. Um, Auerbach was also a pioneer of basketball because of the modern game of for fast breaks. He felt like he'd be able to get out and run. Auerbach and the Celtics broke color barriers as well. Um, they drafted the first African American in 1950 who was Chuck Cooper um, in the NBA and they hired Bill Russell in 1966 as the first African American head coach in all of sports Russell was also player coach during that time as well so between Auerbach and Russell the Celtics won 11 championships in 13 years and then all of this brings you back to the current team that is Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. Trying to win that 18th title. Will they do it? No one knows. But let's just give you a little breakdown before we end the segment. About what the Celtics have accomplished. In their... I don't know. 75 years of existence. They've won 17 championships. 10 conference titles. Now, there's only 10. Because... They didn't have conferences for the longest time. They didn't have conferences until later on. <laughs> They've won ten conference titles, thirty-two division titles. They have 50, 59 playoff appearances. Okay, they have twenty-three retired numbers. They have three thousand five hundred thirteen wins with to, to go along with twenty-four hundred and thirty-seven losses for a five hundred and ninety for a five ninety winning percentage. They've had 37 Hall of Famers play for them at some point in their career or for their entire career. They've had 6 Hall of Fame head coaches with Petino being the only one that didn't win a ring with them. They got 2 announcers that won the Kirk Gowdy award that are in the Hall of Fame. They have 6 contributors to the game of basketball that are in the Hall of Fame. They have 4 different MVP winners. That's not inclu- That's just four different ones, That a couple of them won multiple. They have a conference finals MVP, thanks to Jason Tatum. They got five different finals MVP. They've got two defensive player of the year, three rookie of the years. They've gotten two sixth man awards. They have three coach of the years. They have had 10 different players that made either the that made the first team all nba they've got 15 different that have made second team all nba four that have made the third all nba team they've had nine different all rookie first team members 10 different all rookie second team members 10 different nba first team all d 11 nba second team all defensive they've got 29 different all stars they've had seven all star game head coaches they got seven all-star MVPs and they got two slam dunk championships. Tell me how that is not just an impeccable res- resume for a franchise that we should not be paying homage to and be grateful of that there's a, actually a well-run organization in in basketball. Because the Lakers are the Lake Show. And... I've got another four little word on that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that starts with an S and ends in hit. Just saying. Show. Okay. So that brings us to the end of this episode. And as always, a big thank you to everyone for stepping stopping in. If you are first time here, I'm glad you made it to, to the end. Now I need you to hit that follow button. I need you to, or subscribe, whichever platform you're on. Always hit the bell, so that way you'd be notified of the next episode when when it gets dropped. Again, I'm trying to drop them every Sunday. And if you're a returning listener, always appreciate you. Always appreciate the new ones, and always appreciate the returners, the always listeners, because you guys just make this engine go. Okay? And if you ha- and if you're a returning listener, and you haven't hit that follow button, what are you doing with your life? Ask yourself why. Why do I, how do you not f- just hit the hit the follow button? Oh, and if you, it would also re- be really helpful, guys, if you downloaded the episodes too wherever you're listening at, because that really helps for the numbers as well. Um, try to get try to get this. Uh, if we get enough downloads, maybe we can push this thing to like the front page of stuff. That'd be pretty sweet. So, everyone, make sure you have that bell rung, okay? So that we can be notified. Um, Also, something new that um, the Sports History Network is starting is that all of of the podcasts on the Sport History Network, you can go to YouTube now, you can search Sports History Network, you're going to hit the subscribe button, okay? And then you can listen to our audio podcasts on youtube as well so that way if you don't want to have it off of your phone or if you don't want to have it playing wherever um then you can just you know put it on the background of your computer at work if you're so we don't have to have a earbud in you know just have it playing in the little background a little bit and that's for all the podcasts on the sports history network there's like 28 of us if not 30 by now i don't know we keep adding new ones all the time i get an email about it and it's just awesome Okay, so make sure you go to YouTube and do that while you're on YouTube search for one guy with a mic on YouTube subscribe to my YouTube channel there's one long video on there and that's about it, but We're going to change that and start doing more stuff on YouTube as well and at some point this year Um, so make sure you're subscribed there already now You need to follow me on Twitter because I'm funny. Okay Give you lots of insights on Twitter. You gotta follow me on tiktok I haven't done funny stuff on TikTok, and I haven't gone live yet, even though I can. I have enough followers on TikTok to go live. That's right, kids. This 40-year-old, almost 40-year-old guy can go live on TikTok. Boom. Follow me on Instagram. I, don't, I have like five pictures on Instagram, but just follow me on Instagram, please. I follow back, okay? You can find a Facebook page for One Guy With A Mic now. So go find One Guy With A Mic on Facebook. And you can go to Twitch as well. Like I haven't streamed yet because again, busy work, stuff like that, but slowly making the progress to make more of this content for you folks, because A, I love enjoy I love making content and B, y'all need to like, y'all just need to follow me more. Okay. All of that is one guy with a mic. Okay. Well, except for Twitch, that's one guy with a mic sports Gas. It's now past my 30 days. So I can change that to just one guy with a mic. Cause that's what's gonna be way simpler. So, huh? That was a lot. That was a lot for the last three minutes of this podcast. Holy crap! So, if you need to play it back, and make sure you get all that written down, so that way you can go find that now. Because that's gonna be your job for the next week or whenever you listen to this, you're gonna find that. Okay. All right. As always, take care. Tell someone you love them. Have a great day. Great night, you know. Just get out and enjoy the summer air, crying out loud. Okay. Or I guess if you're in Australia, it's winter, right? Mm-hmm. Shout out to Major Mangoes down in Australia. Love you, bro. <laughs> my my boy Sal loves you. So, all right. Y'all have a great day. I'm out. Bye. <laughs>